Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing one of the, if not the best day of cyclocross racing so far this season. The World Cup headed to Dublin for the first time ever and with me here to discuss this epic day of racing is Isam. Yes, thank you for having me. Expectations are high by my intro probably, but I think it's completely justified because the men's race, which we'll discuss first, was a very nice one. I enjoyed watching every single minute of this race. The race started with the best start for Lars van der Haar, but in the first lap, Sveik and Isabit both led the pack. In the second lap, Sveik looked to be not in the best form anymore because he suddenly fell back when Isabit and Van Turenhout attacked. This gap was closed by Thomas Pitcock with Wout van Aert. Both riders had a relatively slow start and they came into the race. This set the tone for almost the entire race. Van Aert and Pitcock, they were reacting, but they didn't seem at the top of their game. Van Aert in the third lap made a mistake, hit a pole and was dropped back to the last wheel of the leading group. You might think, was he then fourth or fifth? No, he was 11th because we had 11 leaders at that point. Some riders got dropped, but for a very large part of the race, we had six or seven riders at the front of the race. Some riders managed to get away, and then they got caught again. The most dangerous situation was when we had four leaders, Pitcock, Van Turenhout, Isabit, and Van Aert. But this situation also got restored. We went back to seven leaders, and that was when disaster struck for Wout Van Aert. He was passing the pit zone. And a towel or cloth from one of the mechanics fell over, it got stuck in his derriere and he needed to turn around. He was allowed to do this because he was between the flags of the pit zone. He got a new bike but was 20 seconds down. Pitcock upped the pressure. He thought this is my moment, Van Aert is behind, I need to utilize on this. But he wasn't able to do so. Van Aert managed to get back, close the gap and we went into the final two laps with still 7 leaders. As he had brought Lars van der Haar with him. In the penultimate lap, everybody was looking at each other and then Van Aert had enough. Just before the sand pit in the equestrian arena, he took the lead and then attacked. He was just the strongest at that point in the race. He attacked through the sand pit and the rest was unable to respond. He managed to stretch his gap to 15 seconds, kept it around 15, 20, 20 and that eventually was where it stayed towards the finish. He won the first ever World Cup in Dublin, the first ever World Cup in Ireland. And behind, Lauren Zweig managed to come back from some difficult moments in the race and claim second. Tom Pitcock, who also had a very difficult penultimate lap, managed to take the third step on the podium. A lot of up and downs here in this race for riders Isam. In the end, Van Aert takes the win. I think it's more than deserved because overall he had a lot of energy that he needed to spend to get to the front again. First after a bad start, then after a double mistake of him going into the barriers, and later again after what was just misfortune, the towel or cloth getting stuck in his derriere. Yeah, indeed. I mean, before the race, we, I think many of us would have thought that it was going to be quite, an, I wouldn't say an easy race for Van Aert, but he was the main favorite for sure, and um, the, the victory is not the biggest surprise or upset, but the way it happened and uh, the way <laughs> the things that he had during the race that endured with with him and the bad luck that he had, some were I think uh, more due to to himself than others. Definitely the, the the last one with the towel issue that was definitely something that uh, you know the, the, you cannot really do a lot about that. I think that in the end he definitely deserved to win. 
uh, in the last laps the last lap definitely you could see the guys um, was the stronger of the field but you know overall in this race it was uh, close very close actually the the top 10 was within a minute i think everybody had at one point was thinking about a podium we had seen an easy bit it was very strong in the beginning of the race but you know Sveik that had some difficult moments like you said where i wrote him off basically after lap two which was maybe a little bit too fast um but just the way he kind of fell back you know it was almost too easy to conclude that you know his race was over for a fight for a podium but then you know the last lap and the way he rode himself to second place was super impressive so it was a very close race it was a tactical race you you definitely saw some riders at the front that two laps later were at the back of, of that group and it was uh, very entertaining to watch yeah i think that the visuals we had on the screen were pretty misleading it looked to be a muddy course and although it was muddy the layer below the mud seemed to be frozen which made it a fast course with the slippery top layer you could see especially when van aert went into the barriers or the fencing it it's just a lack of grip there he's turning and putting down the power and then he gets into a drift it's kind of similar to the way he lost control over his bike way back in Lille when he went into Macho van der Poel it, it reminded me a lot of that and it was tricky due to that but the course was relatively flat didn't have too many main features I mean there was elevation in the second part of the course and they really utilized what they had I don't think it's a bad course. Not every course needs to be packed with features and hills, for instance, like we see in Rutherford. It's perfectly fine to have a course like this, but it is difficult to establish a gap. And we could see that despite Pitcock trying that and getting a small gap, it was relatively easy to then close that gap. And that is, in the end, why I think we had such a close race. We'll come into what other effects that might have had a bit later, but... Would Van Aert have dropped the rest much earlier? I don't think so because it's just so difficult and all these riders here are super high level athletes. They are all super capable and in the end Van Aert just benefited from being the freshest at the end of the race. I mean after that double mistake when he went into the fencing and the, hit the pole there, you didn't really lose too much time. He was like last of the group but he could sit in relatively and... Yes, he moved up, but it's not like he needed to close a gap like he needed to do the second time. The second time after that cloth incident was super impressive that he closed that 20 seconds. But at the same time, the best at, of the riders at the front of the race was already gone. You could see Pitcock just didn't have it anymore and he wasn't able to drop the rest anymore like it was before. The penultimate lap was just a further confirmation of that. But yeah, I think that's in the end what made a difference to, for Van Aert. Like, he was a stronger and had more freshness because at the end this just turned into a battle of like who is the freshest who has the most left just a tiredness battle like who who has the best condition in the end of the race yeah and who was who was very conservative with his energy as much as you can obviously in in the race i think as well because you know a guy like like Sveik after that uh, that that second lap didn't really show too much of himself there then he out of nowhere was at, was at the front and then from there was again a bit sitting back you could have wrote him off there as well the second time and 
you know it's it was it was really a, a game of chess in a way uh, which was definitely very fun to see for the viewer but can also be be seen as a bit confusing in a way and but in the end i guess that you know the racing was was spectacular the fans definitely um, you know were were amazing to to you know to see how they were cheering on the the riders there were definitely some sections which were you know very very fun to see on on tv and i think that in the end a guy like Ezerbeat after the race will look at it and be like if i was a little bit more conservative in the first first laps and if i was just yeah, a bit easier going um during the race because i think that he definitely had a had a good day today and you know his season was definitely he started quite well his season but he had some dips left and right and I think that he definitely wanted to show himself today that he was capable of, you know, fighting for a podium and to miss out on it in, in such a way. I think that um, definitely he's definitely one of those riders that will look at this race and be like, maybe a missed opportunity. Yeah, I think it wasn't just misleading for us as viewers that we were thinking, oh, we're watching a muddy race, a bit of a drag, but that in reality we were... Like the riders were also thinking, well, it's muddy, it's slippery. Surely it's not the same as a race like Antwerp or a race like Beekse Bergen. Whilst in reality, Antwerp and Beekse Bergen had relatively similar lap average speeds as what we had today in Dublin. So the course in reality was just much, much faster. And yes, I am aware Beekse Bergen and Antwerp were both a lot more technical, but there was no mud on those courses. Especially Beekse Bergen looked like a desert. So it still says something like average speeds don't tell everything but in this case they do tell the story of the course being much faster than what we had anticipated and even what we were thinking whilst we were watching and you really well explain what you like what you just said it's a really good explanation like Isabit, he looked really good and in the end he pays the price but i think the same goes for pitcock pitcock went hard in the middle part of the race in the penultimate lap he was absolutely done he wasn't the last of that group he tried what he could but it was not uh out of luxury that he went into that position he was just tired and i think his interview after the race was kind of telling he himself didn't even know what happened and how he managed to refine his legs again in the final lap and that is again as you say the same with Sveik. like for two points in the race we thought after uh, like it went like oh Sveik, oh, he's good today. And then it's like, oh, Sveik isn't that good. Maybe it's the freshness lacking. And then he comes back. Oh, yeah, this is good. Oh, it's not as good again. What's going on with Sveik? And in the end, he's there. And Sveik was also one of these riders that just sat in the pack for a long while. So do you think it's a mistake that these riders have, like, gone too deep and exploded and paid cash for the work they did? No, I, I don't think it was a mistake. Uh, obviously, it is a it is a mistake, but it's not a mistake from their side. It is, you know, you have to anticipate on that. It's very difficult to do so because you have an idea of a course. It's a course that's that's new for them, yeah, never been uh, been ridden on by any of these riders, or at least the ones that were uh, at the front. So, you know, I think that you know you cannot really blame them for 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 making those decisions during the race it's um, definitely when they were reckoning the course as well it was a different course and in the morning it was maybe uh, again different than that it was during during the men's race and also with the women's race as well so it's very hard to anticipate on such a course that's changing you know almost every 10 minutes or 20 minutes so it's 
I think that in the end, the riders just, you know, they, they, they did what they could. They were racing. They had maybe a mentality of the race and, you know, found out during the race that that was probably not the way to go. And, you know, one did find out a little bit earlier than the other. And that's kind of also what helped in, in the result in the end. Yeah, the course was so different to when they practiced the course before the women's race. Then it was still a super fast course. When the juniors raced this morning, it was a lot more of a racetrack than it was in the end. And every lap they did, the muddier the course got because it was melting. The sun was on it, the riders were going over it. It just changed and you need to adapt to that. And I don't think it's a big mistake by the riders either that they weren't able apparently to adapt to the fact that the draft played a bigger role in this course i do think that in the first laps pitcock was making some mistakes and failing to adapt like he was still driving or the the lines that he was taking during the course practice but they weren't the correct lines anymore he was the only one in the right rut for instance in one of the first laps and everyone else was left and left was way faster and that was interesting i thought easy did that pretty well there was this one corner and everyone was running it but easy grabbed onto the pole on the inside quick flick around the corner later adam started doing that as well and they were managing to ride almost or even over this bump after whilst others were running that complete section and these are the changes you need to make you need to adapt and overcome the changes and if you're unable to do that you will pay for it and i think most riders experience this but that at the end Sveik and van aert were the riders who sat in the most whether it was deliberately or just because they were recovering that's an open question i think it's the latter they were just recovering more after they put in efforts and that's fine. They, in the end, end there. Pitcock, I have to say, impressed by that recovery in the end to still take third. Didn't look like that in the penultimate lap. And the same has to go for Lars van der Haar because that's maybe the biggest surprise that he still ended up fighting for a podium because with three laps to go, he was 20 seconds down on the leaders. Van Aert passes him after he had a cloth in his bike. And all of a sudden, Van der Haar is at the front. And you know, if Van der Haar is in a position to fight for a podium, he will do whatever he can to get on that podium. He would, and, you know, we, I wouldn't say that we wrote him off in the preview, but, you know, he was also saying that his form was was in a declining phase, and he felt that, um, you know, he was uh, looking forward to a training camp and to, to really get um, get that, that form a bit back that he, that he had in the beginning of the season. Uh, but, you know, and today as well, there was a lot of moments where Van der Haar was one of the, you know, the last riders in, in that group. Yeah, he found his way through the pack and was able to to <laughs> even uh, fight for 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 a podium. But in the end, just fell a little bit short. Pitcock last lap, by the way, was also eh, quite something because that came out of nowhere. He was he was kind of you know th- the podium for him was was definitely not a not a sure case in a way. It was definitely not something that was already done. Uh, he really had to fight for it, and you know in the end was able to 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 finish in third. But I think that um, that's for Van der Haar for sure that you can look at it in a way that he was um, in a way I think that he definitely got the maximum out of this race in my opinion. I would still argue that the form of Lars van der Haar isn't as good as it was a couple of weeks ago. He was lucky that he could hang on with Van Aert but on a course like this you're not going to deliberately be dropped. I think he was dropped because he didn't have the legs and then was recovering a bit thinking well okay it's not going to be for today and then Van Aert passed him and he thought oh this is a good opportunity to get back into it and 
that worked out pretty well. So I think that still Van der Haar has had better form. He will have better form in the Christmas period. And that's the period you're in now. You're in a bit of a dip between the peak form riders have for the European Championships and then the building back phase towards the Christmas period and championships, which we are getting into now. So yeah, maybe not the best form by Van der Haar, but for sure the best possible race for him today. And fourth is maybe above where he belongs, but hey, that's racing. He deserves that. Let's take a look at the entire top 10 then. Wout van Aert with the win ahead of Lauren Zweig and Tom Pitcock. Van Haar in fourth ahead of Michael van Turenhout. Maybe not what he had hoped, but the course was way faster than what he had hoped as well. Strong race by Jens Adams in 6th ahead of Elie Isebiet and Pim Ronhaar. 9th place went to Corne van Kessel and 10th place to Cameron Mason. I think there are a couple of names we need to point out. First of all, I want to say it's very nice to see Pim Ronhaar back in the top 10. He came in pretty close to the top 7, 6 in the end. He came pretty close on Isebiet and Adams, but... He ultimately fell short, but good to see him back performing after he had been sick. Good to see him there. And then we come to the man that he, well, just fell short of, Jens Adams. The only rider doing the double with Essen yesterday. Not as day in Essen, too many mistakes, ending second behind Gerben Kuipers. But respect, man. Doing the double as only rider, and then in sixth place, fighting for the podium here. I take my hat off for that. Yeah, and I mean, logistically, it was also quite an um, an adventure for him and, and a challenge. So I think that in the end, uh, you know, for him to perform, even though, you know, you have to get all the way from, from Belgium to, to Ireland and, you know, it's very difficult with the staff and stuff. You know, only the guys that had only one race and, and only went to Dublin, they had some difficulties to get there. And for him to do the double and be able to, you know, to, to just stand your ground, be uh, in a place where he normally kind of finishes, because the last couple of races have been good this this season so far for Adams is definitely a, yeah quite a quite a solid season. So I think that in the end for him it's um, it's a it's a plus. He was able to to finish on the podium. I think that he wanted to win in Essen, but it's not always um, uh, like you wanted to go. But I think that in the end in Essen it was definitely not a not a bad race from his side. Like you said, just a little bit too many mistakes, but also very good performance from Kuipers. And, you know, today as well, he was riding with the group. He was always there or thereabouts. And in the end, I think that um, that sixth place is definitely a deserved position for him. Yeah, for sure. And it's good to see. It's a course that suits him. He likes a bit of mud, like this slippery thing is something he does good in. But yeah, yesterday, it's just a complete different world. Today, he was almost flawless. Didn't see him make a single mistake. But... Yesterday in Essie was making mistake after mistake, crashing on the stairs, crashing in corners. It just wasn't good enough. Normally he should be able to beat Gerben Kuipers because Gerben Kuipers does not have this level. But Adams also quickly realized that after he made too many mistakes, Kuipers was gone. So he didn't go all out anymore with this in the back of his mind because he's now targeting the overall of this classification since I think he's sixth in that. So yeah. Good day for him out. I think it's also a very good day for Corne van Kessel. Ninth place for him. I think it's the first time he gets a top 10 result again after his collarbone fracture. And he just beats Cameron Mason. And that's not really a massive surprise to see him in the top 10. But still, it's only his second race of the season. He only raced the National Series in Falkirk a month ago. Or over a month ago even. 
and now he comes back here I don't really know what he's been up to I know that he will be focusing around the Christmas period but yeah good to see him in the top 10 definitely it's um, always difficult to uh, to have already your second race with this high of a level I think everybody that normally would start apart from Van der Poel uh, was, 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 was here so I think that for him it's uh, yeah he all this ground quite well was able to uh, to show himself um, during the broadcast was able to to hold on from time to time and yeah in the end I think 10 plays for him he kept quite some uh, yeah some solid guys behind him and if this is only your your second race of the season and you know you have a goal that the Christmas period that's that's a bit where you want to have a better form uh, then it's definitely the right time to uh, to already get yourself in the top 10 because uh, it's coming and it's coming fast let's go and talk about the women's race then and some things never change even if you go to Ireland which is just the 13th country the soccer cross world cup visit Myri Schreiber had the best start starting from the first row no surprises there also no surprises that the race ended in a battle between Puck Peters and Fem van Empel, but before we got there there was quite some drama. Already in the third corner, Sydney McGill, the Canadian rider, went down, she took a tumble, holding up Fem van Empel and Puck Peterse. Both riders worked their way through the front, but it meant that Puck Peterse was in the middle of the pack when they went to the barriers. At the barriers, Puck Peterse in the middle of the pack couldn't jump freely, she collided with the bike of Betsema. Peterson crashed, her chain dropped and she lost a lot of time. She was over 20 seconds down on Femme van Empel after that. Peterson put in a rapid recovery ride after a bike change and managed to close the gap to Femme van Empel. They were together going into the penultimate lap and also into the final lap. The final lap was an absolute belter. Femme van Empel and Puck Peterson changed positions multiple times. Peterson was the first one to launch a big attack before the barrier. She took the lead and wanted to lead into the barriers. Van Empel knew the danger of this and went down the inside of the corner before the barriers with a very risky move but she managed to make it stick. Before the barriers she tried to block Puck Peterson of jumping by just walking in front of her. Peterson with a very late move to the side managed to avoid that and still attack after the barriers. Van Empel was under pressure but she didn't crack. Peterson paced all the way until the sand pit and that was where she hoped to make the difference, but it didn't work out for her. Van Empel managed to counter every single attack, and after that they came into the section of the course which suited Femme Van Empel more. They part with the elevation. Van Empel launched a big attack there. A wider line on entry, around the outside of Peterse onto a steep banking, and from there on she managed to stretch out a gap. But Peterse, she wasn't having it. She went back, she fought back, through the downhill, more risks, more power on the uphill, a section where Van Empel had been struggling every single lap. Peters managed to close the gap, but that wasn't everything. She then eventually, on the running section, passed Van Van Empel whilst running, jumped on her bike, and on the acceleration, opened the gap over Van Van Empel again. But Van Empel would also not be Van Empel if she didn't give it her everything after that. On the long, flat, muddy slack towards the finish, Van Van Empel closed the gap, and ultimately in the penultimate corner she was able to take a shorter line through it onto the green grass earlier than Van than Peterson who was on the mud, which led to Van Empel opening a small gap, which led to her taking the win in Dublin ahead of Puck Peterson and behind in a bit of a no man's land, Denise Betsema claimed third. This race was maybe, no not maybe, this race was more intense than the men's race, at least that's how I viewed it. It was so fun and 
it was like the first time that I recall seeing Fem van Empel and Puk Pietersen this season going head to head, but with this intensity, like they were having none of it. Like they were blocking each other, moves everywhere. It was just awesome. Yeah, indeed, it was uh, definitely uh, an enjoyable battle to to watch. Um, this was definitely also a battle with, uh, I would say, a lot of tension in a way, not between the riders, but just in general, it was. Uh, it was a, a tactical race. There were mistakes from both sides made. Uh, then uh, the amount of lead changes that we had in the in the, in the last couple of laps, especially in the last lap, was 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 incredible, and it was a, a beautiful battle to watch. I think that you know, if you if you look at the at the battle, it was you know at a certain point, you know, we 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 go into a last lap with Van Empel and Peterson. And, um, normally, you would say that it would be a, a, a easy Van Empel uh, victory in a way that 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 just rides away in a way with the power that she has. But you know, Peterson really gave her a fair a fair fight, a fair shot for that for the for the for the first place. And I think that in the end, it was beautiful to watch left and right. Maybe there could have been some things changed, and th- there were definitely some some moments where it was like. The risks were a bit too much, in my opinion. Um, definitely with the barriers as well, but I think that in the end um, it was um, fair, fair enough, and you know the best best had won in the end. And Peterson was, uh, you know, uh, definitely did everything that she could to get first place, but in the end got second, which was also in a way deserved. Mm, I don't know if Van Empel was really the best today. I think she deserved the win without a doubt. If you win a battle like this you deserve it if there's no mechanicals involved which there weren't but Peterse her second lap was faster than the final lap of both Peterse and Van Empel. Peterse gave it her everything to try and close that gap on Van Empel which she did but that cost so much energy that I think it is fair to say that Peterse was arguably stronger today. Of course Van Empel still has this story around her that she maybe ate something wrong last night and that she had an upset stomach and that it hurt during the race and that her legs were good but her stomach wasn't but that's then again something we can't really account for like sure we can account for it if we look at the overall form but in terms of form of the day it's pretty irrelevant what causes it so Peter was maybe a bit stronger but then again like as you say if it's a battle like this and then Fem van Empel wins it's it's, it's all fine. We've had a great day of racing. I don't think Peter could have done anything different. She gave it her everything on the section that suited her the best, the barriers. Then she went to the sand pit. I think in the sand pit they were pretty evenly matched today, but not... Well, maybe Peter had a slight advantage. That's at least how I saw it during the race, but not enough to make a difference. Van Empel had the sections that suited her better. They were just pretty evenly matched. And then it comes down to details. And even in terms of details, I don't think Peter did anything wrong. Like, she tried it on the sections where she had to try it. And even where you would normally say, okay, Van Empel has it now. Van Empel didn't really have it because Peter gave it a role. And Van Empel even needed to go to some, well, not even dodgy tactics, just more less conventional tactics like the attempt to block before the barriers, the super late dive before the corner ahead of the barriers, and the penultimate lap where she tugs her bike in front of Peterson on this steep banking, which she didn't make up, like Klaas van Tornau did at the Belgian Championships. They're more unconventional. We haven't seen Fem van Empel and Puk Peterson use them this year. 
Yeah, true. They both played the cards that that they had, and I think that in the end, if you if you're going to simulate such a race for for ten times, you will you might end up nine times with with Van Empel winning. I think that was yeah kind of where it would end up in the end. I think that Peterson definitely, in terms of how they were in form and 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 strength, I think that they were quite equally matched, but. Van Empel has just the right cards at the moment in such a scenario. I think that she just, you know, she's able to just do the right things that that Peterson also does, but just a little bit better. And you know, I think that for th- there were definitely some moments that I thought that Peterson was maybe too early in 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 some attempts, but she was compared to the other races. I think that she surprised Van Empel at certain points, which. I think was nice to see, but it's also a, a change of dynamic in a way compared to where we were watching at the the, the duels that they had before. And I think that that Peterson has a little bit more confidence after you know the results that that, that she had in in the World Cup and overall. And I think that she is she's having more and more confidence to have a battle with with Van Empel, which maybe she kind of lacked in the beginning of the season and. That's that's definitely a good uh, good thing to see. I think we can't overlook the fact that Peterson came back from a COVID infection after the mountain bike world championships. Her form now is so much better than it was at the beginning of the season, and today they were again in a different league. I mean, the gap of one minute forty to Betsma doesn't tell you a lot. Betsma sat up in the final two laps, lost fifty seconds in the last lap alone, but. Look behind that, two and a half minutes to Van der Heide and Schreiber, almost four minutes to Bakker in sixth. We are going towards five minutes for the riders at the back end of the top ten, plus five minutes even for Fleur Morse in tenth. And yes, there are a lot of riders missing. Yes, the depth of the field is limited, but again, they were in a league of their own. And Pekpidesa really made steps throughout the season, whereas Van Empel is staying at the same level of form roughly, like... Yes, it's been better and worse from time to time, but Peters has made huge steps, and that's normal because she came into the season a bit on the back foot. She was struggling after that COVID infection, needed to skip the final round of the Mountain Bike World Cup, and then she started an Oyster Bike, which I attended that race. It didn't look that great. She only won because Fash made many mistakes, and through racing and through working hard, she's now at the same level as Van Empel. At this point, moment Fem van Empel has the card of having the better sprint but if you watch the race today would you be confident to say that Fem van Empel is truly the stronger rider out of these two because I wouldn't no I wouldn't be confident but I think that that like I said the, the in the last lap if they were they're going to enter the last lap together then it then I would definitely give the, the you know the benefit of the doubt to to van Empel but Definitely, if you look at the race itself, and like you said, she had to come back. It definitely cost some energy to come back because it was quite, quite a fast lap, as I heard from you. You know that 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 says something that you then are able to come back to the one that we are viewing as maybe the stronger counterpart, and you're actually able to you know get back to the front, battle with her at the front, and 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 really give a fair fight for that first place. You know, it tells that that you are definitely in a uh, on an equal in a way and I think that if the course was today a little bit harder uh, and, and, and maybe a little bit more climbing or a bit more muddy in a way a 
tough mud in a way, then I think it would have been a different race for 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 Petersen. But I think now the course also suited just a little bit more for Van Empel, I think. It's of course hard to draw the long-term conclusions on who's better now, and for now they look evenly matched. I would agree that Sven van Empel probably still has the upper hand if it's a bit of climbing or if it's a bit more muddy, like tractor effort. They will still relatively fast, but don't forget that Pukpitesse in her second lap after she crashed on the barriers, which was a mistake by the way to jump there because you shouldn't be jumping in the middle of such a tight pack. It's not Betsma's fault that the bikes tangled together, that just happens. So her lap then was faster than the final lap of Fem van Empel. So I'm kind of leaning towards, well, that was still with tra- traffic involved, by the way. So I'm leaning towards if Pugbitus is fresh, she could even beat Fem van Empel here in a final lap because she wasted that energy, which van Empel didn't have to do. And then again, you don't buy anything for it. And it was Peter's her own fault for jumping in the middle of the pack. So that just happens. Again, it's cross. These things happen. It's not an excuse to call in. But if we're now speculating about the form, who is better? I would agree. If, it, if we were going to the Koppenberg tomorrow, I would say Fem van Empel wins. If we are going to Dendermond, I would say Fem van Empel wins. But I am noticing a ch- shift in pattern, like... For every week, Pukpitesse is looking to come closer and closer. And yes, she had wins in Hulse and Overijs on courses that were super good for her. But now, even on the courses that are evenly matched, in the final lap, she stands a very good chance against Fem van Empel. And that's a difference that I'm noticing now. And I'm interested to see how that develops. Because we could potentially be heading towards a scenario where Fem van Empel will need to be using her sprint more and more. And that would be interesting. So... Yeah, I'm pretty excited about the weeks coming up because today was just an absolute beauty and to end my long monologue here, you are right about the confidence because that part about Puck Peterson running past Fem van Empel, that was maybe the most interesting thing of the day. Yeah, that was that was definitely interesting. You know, we Van Empel didn't expect it as well because she she didn't really look like she expected such a move she she stayed calm which was again something that Defanempo is very good in you know it, at least it looks like she is very calm at the moment uh, she didn't really panic and was able to close that gap and you know knew from that point that she you know she she was um, in a very good position but those things you know are different from what we have seen before and i think that, that if we are getting you know these type of races again where they both are going to battle it out it's it's not always going to be a guarantee that Fanempo is going to win and that is definitely a very nice thing to have because now you don't have the certainty of 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 someone winning which is always uh, going to make the racing more exciting and i think that that everybody enjoyed that race for sure despite the fact that number 3 was was so far behind yeah, I mean, Betsma today just didn't have it to fight with Van Empel and Peterson, and that's fine. She wasn't, like, the gap doesn't tell the story, as I said earlier. She was within half a minute for most of the race, and then in the final two laps was like, okay, I'm not closing it anyway, and let her lap times go into the 10 minutes, which she was way below before. For instance, the final lap of Peterson and Van Empel was 9.16 and 9.19, something like that. So Betsma really gave up and lost 50 seconds in the final lap alone but solid ride by her but 
to come back on the final lap between Van Empel and Pietersen. It was very good, but the one thing that annoyed me was, once again, the 80% rule proving that it's either not strict enough or not implemented properly enough because they ended up like... It felt like I was watching a cross race from the early 90s. The men's race felt like I was watching a cross race from the early 2000s with big packs. But this was also a big pack, but a big pack of backmarkers, which the leaders had to navigate. When is it going to end? The 80% rule failing us, actually, during a race. And today it didn't really have great consequences in a way. I mean, the race played out as it played out and didn't influence it in any way. But... You know, it could influence it, and you want to avoid certain situations from happening, and that's basically why we have such a rule. And to see it fail time and time again, it's not the first time. You know, today it was noticeable in a way because it were three or four in a row, which you know gives it a bad look or even a worse look. Normally, you wouldn't really notice it. You would see that there is a back marker there, and you wouldn't be taking note of it. And now it was even more visible. It's and it's something that we have seen over the course of this season and last season as well. It's it's um, you know a story that's repeating itself, and it's a bit weird because normally if something happens time and time again, you would act upon it. And at the moment, uh, we haven't heard much from it. Well, that's kind of the UCI for you. They do a lot of talking about a lot of unnecessary and not that important things. So the solutions are relatively simple you either adapt the rule and say okay we're going for 75 percent because it's hardly that i see a rider lapped in the middle of the course it's usually really within the final stretch so five percent should do the trick or the alternative is you stick to 80 or maybe you make it 85 percent but instead of marking it at a tenth at the end of the lap you make it in the pit zone and the commissar needs to draw on both sides the riders that are too far behind in the pit zone those would be the two easy solutions, but then again, I'm not expecting too much from it because last year there was already a lot of talk about it after Baal as well, and nothing happened, so I don't see why anything would happen now, but yeah, it is what it is, and in some terms, like, it will maybe come in the future, maybe it won't, but well, luckily it didn't influence the race because it would be a real shame if Peterson had a gap and was blocked by a backmarker and then Van Empel comes back and wins the race. That that would be a real shame. For now, luckily, it didn't matter all too much. Let's look at the entire top 10 then. Fem van Empel with the win ahead of Puk Pietersen and Denise Betsema. Fourth place for Inge van der Heide, solid showing by her. Fifth place for Mary Schreiber ahead of Mandon Bakker and Pauline ferrand Prevot, who still doesn't have all the best ending 4 minutes and 40 seconds down. Eighth place for Sydney McGill ahead of Millie Cousins and Fleur Morse in 10th. Seeing the length of this podcast, let's not go all o- over all of these names. To not make this podcast all too long, let's not go over all of these names, Isam. But I would like to point out Mary Schreiber, strong fifth, fifth place, continuation of a solid season so far. Don't know if you have anybody else in the top 10 you would like to point out? Um, yeah, I think that, that, that definitely it was, um, you know... We knew with the, with the women's um, on the women's side we we were have not having the you know the largest base uh, that is available to us um, illness not being able to attend uh, choosing another race uh, so you know it, it we we definitely will see some names in the top ten that we were not expecting but I think that 
that uh, the result of Millie Cousins for me was was definitely a noticeable result. Um, it was for her, I think, a very good outing. Um, and you can, you know, you can say after to yourself at the end of the season that you at least had one top ten at a World Cup, and you know that's something that 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 helps uh, in the progress that you're making and the trajectory that you're taking within cyclocross and. If you are going to search for a new team, I think for now she's definitely at the right place with Krelon Fristad that, you know, is supporting her well. And, you know, I think for her it's um, just a plus to be able to race and, and actually race for, for a position that, you know, matters a little bit more than, than 25th or, or 16th. I think now with, you know, with the top 10, that's definitely something more of value. I still see more of a road rider in Millie Cousins. I know she's talented, but the pure cross technique, uh, I haven't seen it. But still, as you say, it's a good result by her. And this race gives the opportunity to some other riders. One of those riders was Fleur Morse as well. Junior, came from handball, is now doing cross. 10th place, very good. We know that the talent is there and she showed that throughout the season already a couple of times. But this is not a continuation of that, so... Keep the name Fleur Morse in your head because you will probably be hearing more of her as leading lady of Belgium's women's cyclocross department for quite a while. Then it's time to end the podcast. First World Cup in Dublin, first World Cup in Ireland. What were your overall thoughts about this uh, new step for the World Cup? Very positive. Um, it's you know for for the for the viewers, it's a, it's a new experience. And I think that uh, everything went well. The race was was good. Both races were well. It looked very good organized. That's always hard to say because you didn't visit it. So I think the spectators will will be able to tell a better story than us about the organization. But I think that overall, you know, it looked very solid. It was um, a good outing, uh, a solid course as well. And I think that you know this race proves that 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 the World Cup has a future overseas over the canal in a way. Uh, in 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 the UK and also in Ireland, I think that that there is a lot of possibilities there. The market is definitely there. We have seen how many spectators were were attending today, and I think that if you if you go to the UK, you might even have uh, a larger uh, amount of crowd. So I think that um, it was a very positive outing, and yeah, it, I really enjoyed it, and I hope that this is something that we will see more uh, over the course of next seasons. Yeah, 8,000 spectators today and it's a very important step for the World Cup. It's just the 13th country that they are visiting. It's the first new country since Denmark with Bogens, which was a one-off. Dublin looks to want to become a true consistent venue in the World Cup, be there year in, year out. And those venues need to be grown. That's the good thing that the World Cup can do with like internationalization by organizing these races. They can grow these races. And if they then can become standalone events, they can keep growing and keep growing. That's super important. And I would also say the race was a success. Maybe if it's dry, not the most entertaining course. It kind of reminded me of Pinocker, but a bit more elevation and a bit more technical. Don't know if that's completely a correct assessment, but that's what I picked up from it was watching. It, it did look fun. So yeah, it should be... It should be a good one and not every course needs to be filled with features so yeah it's fine it's positive there's definitely things to be improved but that's normal for a first event so we'll see we'll see what happens uh, in the future what they make from this but it's promising hope it comes back next year 
Let's look at some other racing this weekend. There was racing in Italy, the Gran Premio Internationals CX Yesolo. Filippo Fontana won the men's race ahead of Federico Seolini and Gioele Bertolini. The women's race was won by Silvia Persico ahead of Sara Casasola and Alessia Bullieri. There was racing in Igor today. Anton Ferdinand took the win ahead of Kevin Suarez Fernandez and Gonzalez Inguazin Macho. The women's race was won by Lucia Gonzalez Blanco ahead of Sofia Rodriguez River and Irene Trapzo Bagdado. I would say that's how you pronounce it, but probably not. Racing in America, the national championships there. Men's result is not in yet, but Clara Hunsinger secured another year in the Stars and Stripes. She took the national title ahead of Raylan Nuss and Austin Killips. Men's under-23 title went to Andrew Strohmeyer with Maddie Munro taking the women's under-23 title. Then yesterday there was racing in Essen. Gerben Kuipers took the win ahead of Jens Alams and Emil Verstringen. Aniek van Alphen took the women's race ahead of Alicia Frank and Yara Kastelein. Then there was also racing in Czech Republic for the Toy to Toy Cup in Rimarov. Marek Konla took the win ahead of Jakub Riemann and Matej Stransky. Pavla Havlikova took the win in the women's race ahead of Nikola Bajerova and Katarina Haladikova. And then finally there was some midweek racing this week. Cyclocross del Ponte in Oderzo. Gioele Bertolini took the win ahead of Filippo Fontana and Marcel Meisse. With Silvia Persico winning the women's race ahead of Rebecca Gariboldi and Eva Lechner. Well, Isam, thank you for discussing the racing in Dublin. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. We will be back later this week with a preview episode for the World Cup in Valdisol next week. We are heading back to the snow. I will be on the ground in the snow with my boots. See you guys then for the preview. Goodbye.